I want to I want to start out by a quote that Thomas Thomas Jefferson said at one time. Um, he said, "God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that those liberties are a gift from God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just." that his justice cannot sleep forever. That was Thomas Jefferson said that several years ago. And I want to talk about today a little bit about the two sides of understanding and the two sides of revelation that we have and that we're having today. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about, uh, I forget the pastor's name, Pastor Dana or something like that, that posted some dreams that he had uh, about... Uh, the destruction of the U.S. and things that were going to happen. And I've had people sending me messages, say, what about this? Do you, do you believe this? And that's one side of Revelation. But then there's another side of Revelation. And those two sides coexist simultaneously depending on the pride or humility of the people involved. And so we have a choice to make. We have to make a decision. And many times, and over the years, there have been many people that have uh, received dreams and received visions and prophetic words about the downfall of America and about the destruction of America. It, through the years, it's just been one after another. And the catastrophic things that, uh, that they, they see coming upon this land and upon his country. And I don't know about all of them. I don't know about all the details. But I do know that the consensus of those words are true. Because any nation and any people that forgets their God and moves away from God comes under judgment. Amen. Judgment is, is where we have crossed into a place where mercy and grace has been removed. And now the consequences of our actions are upon us. That's when judgment takes place. But as God sits as an almighty just God, he is the author of mercy. He is the author of grace. Many see him as the author of judgment, but I got to tell you something. The number one characteristic of God, according to 1 John, is God is love. It's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. It's not God's will to judge and to destroy. It is God's will to redeem and to restore. Amen. We, we, uh, we see different stories in the Old Testament, and, and I, I started just, just to go through just a documentary of this thing today, and I thought, no, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to give it to you. You can search it out. We don't have time for all that today. But you go through stories in the Old Testament, and there's times that the children of Israel uh, disobeyed God to the point, point. we've been talking about legal right. 
about dominion of the supermundane beings that have been given authority over regions of this of this world and you see that you see that when you travel through the united states you see that that the characteristic of the oppressive spirit that has been assigned to that area you see it in people and when you travel around the world you see it everywhere you go you see the effect of those beings that oppress and rule over those regions until Jesus steps in and then things start changing so you see we see that and we see we see the operation of, of that and in the Old Testament many times the children of Israel went away from God and it says that God would release them uh, to this nation or release them to that nation we talked about this last Sunday how that to put it in under way we can understand it was God was saying you have removed yourself from my protection and you have chosen these other gods so I simply have to let you go to them it's not God saying okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna punish you and just kick you out when you understand legal authority, when you understand what's really going on in the spirit realm, you understand that God refuses to try to dominate those that, that serve him. In other words, we have a choice. We are people of a free will and a choice. Just like Adam and Eve were, and Adam and Eve chose. When, when Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation and, and the, devil, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the wealth, and he said, he said, this has been given to me. In other words, I own all this. And Jesus didn't counter him on it. In other words, this world come under the oppression of supernatural beings that are not under the authority of God that have rebelled against God and therefore oppress and try to keep possession of the people because it's not just this globe that that is under attack it is the people god created human beings he created this world for human beings and and so that's that's where the battleground's over look at look at what the devil said to jesus said if you'll bow down to me and worship me i'll give you all this and jesus jesus said get behind me <laughs> i mean can you imagine the deception the the all-out deception and lying wonder that the devil is speaking to the creator of the world and saying, I'll give this to you if you'll worship me. You see how, I mean, he tries to deceive constantly. He was trying to get Jesus to somehow buy into the fact that he ruled that, and if he wanted it, he had to worship him. And Jesus said, you know get behind me in other words in other words get out of my face you worship the lord god and him only will you serve i mean anyway that just that just amazes me that jesus was he 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 was with God, in God, for God. He, all things created by him, was, without him was not anything made that was made. He was the creator. He was the one that made the action out of the word. God spoke, and, and Jesus was the action of the creation. And there he stood on a mountain, and the devil told him, 
I have authority all, all over all this, and if you want it, you're going to have to worship me. But little did he know that Jesus was about to take the keys away from him. Amen. <laughs> ah, come on. Amen. Uh, Jesus, God, God mm. so many rabbit trails I can chase right now. <laughs> God used a ploy that, that the devil fell for, and, and I've used it. I've used it with aggressive people. I mean, I'm an aggressive, I'm an aggressive person. I, I know that. I can, I can, you know, I can be very, very aggressive, and I'm a whole lot more, I've tamed down in my old age, thank God. But God, God let the devil think that he was getting the upper hand, and Jesus submitted himself to the point that the bully called Satan, decided to jump on him. Say, okay, God has turned his back on him. Now I'm going to jump on him and destroy him. There's nothing more powerful a lot of times than when somebody is out to just mar your name or attack you to just step back and let him attack. By doing so, everybody sees who they are and what their nature is, and you don't have to do a thing because people around you turn on them and they say, hey, none of that. Amen. That's what, I mean, the tactic still works today with people like that. Arrogant, proud people will always fall for that tactic. When you make yourself look vulnerable, they'll come in for the attack, and you just stand back and, and, and let them attack. Amen. Another term for that, I, I say give them enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Amen. Anyway, enough of that. Glad none of, none of those people are here today. Hallelujah. But we, we've, we've got to understand there's two things going on. You say, are those dreams and prophecies real, or is the outpouring and revival of God the real story? What I say to that is, yes. But what becomes dominant will be determined by how much we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, resisting the devil, and he flee from us. That's what will determine what happens. If we rise up in pride, then yes, destruction is at our door. But if we humble ourselves before God, then the Redeemer of all mankind, the redeeming, loving God, will step in and say, not now. It's not now. It's not now. It's not now. It's not now. Step back. And if we can stay on the path that I'm seeing right now, I know the news is showing all the mayhem and madness. I got to tell you something, there is a powerful move of God. People are praying. People are coming to God. We are seeing a revival in this nation. And if we can stay on this course and it can increase the way I've been seeing it in my spirit increasing, then I feel like God is about to step in and say, not yet. Let's turn to the book of Genesis. 
Genesis chapter 18. Ah, thank God. I could just jump in and blow up today, but I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to look at some word. Chapter 18, verse 22. And I've been preaching the gospel for 40 some years now, 42, 43 years. And I'm glad I'm not an old worn out, burnout preacher because I am, I am more excited today about this thing than I've ever been in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. I, I feel, I feel, I, oh, praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, he's, he's been talking to me this week and, and talking to me about some things he's got planned and talking to me about what's about going on and just sharing some things with me. And I've been, I've been saying, okay, God, I, I'm in agreement with you, but you're going to have to do some things. I mean, if you're going to do that, some things got to change and we're going to have, you know, and, and so we've been having this conversation all week about uh, about what God is wanting to do uh, with us, amen, with this nation, with, with everything. Genesis chapter 18, verse 22 is talking about when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged and uh, Lot was down there and Abraham was interceding. And he says, the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood still, stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? See, God shared with him, said, can I, can I withhold this from my friend? I want, I want to be the friend of God. How many want to be the friend of God? I want, I want God to say, look, I, I'm just going to share this with you because you're my friend. I like that. Amen. And that's what he did with Abraham. He said, oh, man, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't go do what I'm about to do without talking to my friend. Imagine the almighty God, I mean, the God of glory, the God of creation said, okay, I got to sit down with Abraham. He's my friend. I got to share with him what I'm doing. And so the two angels, then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Abraham was still saying, um, I, I'm not done talking. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous in the, within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that, that is in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as, as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Amen. I, I got to tell you something. He wasn't schooling God. God was saying, okay, you're finally getting it, buddy. Come on. So the Lord said, if I, find, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I am, I who am but dust and ashes have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city? For the lack of five. So he said, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. I mean, this is, this is where bartering came from. Right here. Okay. Suppose there were 40. And he goes all the way down. And, and in, in verse, verse 32, it says, then the Lord said, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak, but once more, suppose 10 
should be found there. And he said, now this is God, he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. I mean, in a whole city for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Now, I want you to notice how willing God was to redeem. Abraham stood before him and continued to take the number down until he finally got down to 10. And he said, if you can find 10 righteous, Abraham stopped because in his mind, he could not imagine a city not having at least 10 righteous people in it. Amen. Amen. So Abraham stopped. And so the men went on down to Sodom. And we all know the story. They did not find 10 righteous. Uh, they, not even in Lot's house. They didn't find 10 righteous. I mean, Abraham was probably thinking about Lot and his family, at least numbering 10. But he didn't find it. And so they, they had to do what they set out to do, and that's bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, because the outcry had come against them before the Lord. And as I was reading that, I thought, where did the outcry come from? It says the outcry had become so great before the Lord against Sodom and Gomorrah. And I thought, where did that come from? Where did the outcry come from before the Lord? Well, who is it that goes before the Lord? I read in one place, and I tried to find this morning. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Some of y'all probably know. Jesus talking about the little ones, the children, and he said, because they're angels, not to, not to harm them, because they're angels, go before God. Who was doing the outcrying? I believe it was those that had to stand back, that was sent to bless and protect and move, and had to stand back and watch the will of man destroy its own descendants, just like we're seeing in America today. Can you imagine the outcry going up before God as angels that have been assigned to these aborted children, these molested children, these, these children have been done wrong? Can you imagine the outcry in heaven as they report back to God and complain to God about what man is doing to the children? And there's an outcry that is going forth in the presence of God today. And that's why these prophecies that say there's destruction coming, they are true. But in chapter 19, verse 22, as the angels were taking Lot and his family out, or Lot and his wife and his two daughters that were still in the home, I want you to notice something. It says, hurry, they said, hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was Zoar. Why is that significant? Because the angels that had come to declare judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah said, we can't do anything until you are free and out of this place and safe. 
In other words, the intercession of Abraham was restraining the judgment of God until that which he had prayed for was out of the way. So it shows the power, it shows the power of people that have the mark of God on them being in a place, okay? Turn with me to the book of of 2 Thessalonians. I kind of come at things from a different angle. Thank God for it. You can get all kinds of opinions and stuff, but today you're getting mine. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Do you have that in the Amplified? Let me, let, me, let me look that up. I brought my Amplified Bible out here just in case. 2 Thessalonians. In the Amplified Bible, I like the way, I like the way it's stated here. Chapter 2, verse 7. For the mystery of the lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Is always ready, is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. I'm talking about the power of intercession today. I had laughed the other day, I watched a video of a police officer sitting in his car with just a bewildered look on his face. And he said, I'm here today guarding and keeping peace at a defund the police rally. Because the people that organized the defund the police rally called and asked for our presence to keep peace. Can you imagine the willpower it takes for police officers to show up at something like that and do their job for people that are wanting to destroy them? That's a lot of willpower. Amen. But the lawlessness, the lawless one, we are seeing that today, and we're seeing it happen as they're trying to get rid of, you know, like I said, I'm not going to complain today, but I just want to, I would just want to state some things. You know, in, in Seattle, they're talking about defunding the police. You know who is declaring that they're going to become the new law in Seattle? Antifa. It was amazing to me when they come up with the autonomous zone that immediately people stepped forward and became the leaders and the peacekeepers and the authority. And, and before you knew it, they had leaders, they had police officers with guns that they had appointed. I mean, it, it boggles your mind how deceived people are. Amen. 
I'm going to preach about what I'm for today. <laughs> because we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a, a spirit of lawlessness. This antichrist spirit is a spirit of lawlessness where you break down the constituted authority that keeps peace and keeps people in line. See, the, the, the reason there's a crack in the Liberty Bell is because there is a weakness in a republic. That weakness is that in order for a republic to exist, there has to be self-discipline. Without self-discipline, a republic can't exist. And when we can't discipline ourselves, then we have law officials that have to step in and enforce discipline to make us discipline ourselves because without it, a society falls apart and destroys itself. Amen. The only reason we have to have law officials or, or police officers today is because of the lack of self-discipline in people. If we discipline ourselves, there's no need for that, but they are there for when we don't discipline ourselves. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When you're running 85 mile an hour down the highway and all of a sudden you see a car sitting off the side of the road, what do you do first thing? Slow it down. You get off the gas, get on the brake, and, and you, you drive by that car, car like. <laughs> just driving along here obeying the law. That's all I'm doing, just driving by here obeying the law. And then we, we get upset when they pull us over for, for, for breaking the law. Well, you know, that's their job. And the reason they're doing that is because without their presence, people are going to be flying down the highway, looking at their phones, running over people, crashing into people. There's going to be chaos and mayhem everywhere. And that is what, that threat is what keeps us in check. Amen. It's like, it's like it said, you know, offenses are only for those that obey the law. Locks only work for those that obey the law. Because those that are, in, are, are, are intent on breaking the law don't care about locks, don't care about boundaries, don't care about fences. So somebody has to make them obey the boundaries. Amen. My home has a boundary around it. And only those I invite in can get inside the boundaries of my home. If somebody comes in uninvited, then they're going to be met with not loving Pastor Tim. They're going to be met with fierce dad and husband that depend, that is intent on protecting his home regardless of who you are. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'll, I'll preach a message to you at, and while I'm helping you up off the ground. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the love of God when, it's all, when the dust settles. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. 
That <laughs> I'm so, so precious. We, we have to understand that the lawlessness that we're seeing today is geared and governed by the lawless one, the Antichrist spirit that means to take over and destroy this country because this country, its constitution, what it stands for is completely against the domination of the globalist agenda. And so this country is under attack from every direction. And there are those that plan on overcoming this country and bringing us under submission to a globalist agenda so that we cannot resist and keep them. Right now, we are restraining. We are the ones that are restraining the lawless one. You understand what I'm talking about? The intercession and prayer that is coming alive in this nation in ways that it hasn't before. I mean, there is a desire, a passion to worship and pray, and people are getting on that. It's going from home to home, from community to community. It's spreading from church to church, and the reason, and that very thing, is calling the power of God to restrain the wicked one. We are standing in the gap. We are controlling things right now. Don't you? That's why Governor Cuomo keeps getting up and says, we don't need God. Why is he saying that? Would you, he, what he's saying is, would you please get out of our way? No. We will not. Amen. Governor Newsom has decided in California that if you meet, are able to meet for church, that you cannot sing in church. I got to tell you something. He just drew a line in the sand. There are people that are going to start worshiping in church when they didn't before simply because they don't like to be told what to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You ain't going to take my praise away from me. Amen. Not going to steal my praise. <laughs> Makes me want to go to California and just sing, you know? Just get out on the street and just start singing without a mask on. Hey, if the water droplets that come out of my mouth sp spread coronavirus, why do they have to take a long Q-dip about that long, stick it all the way to the backside of my head to get a sample? Why can't they just get a sample from my saliva? Come on, somebody. If you gotta, if you gotta bore your way all the way to the backside of my head to get a simple sample to see if I have coronavirus, I don't think the little bit of droplets coming out of my mouth is gonna be a problem. I think Holy Spirit's trying to restrain me this morning. He said, whoa, boy, whoa, just <laughs> calm down, calm down. Come on. Hallelujah. 
<laughs> you're not going to tell the body of Christ they can't worship. It don't matter what's going on. You're not going to tell the body of Christ they can't worship. In, in China, in China, they can't make a sound in the underground church. They gather to worship, and, and they, they, they worship without sound or music, but they still worship. They stand there and mouth the words together, and they are worshiping God. Why? Because you can't take worship out of the heart of a child of God. It is innate. It is born inside of us. When you get born again, there's a heart that wants to worship, and a spirit of praise comes upon you. And you get in there, and you worship and praise God. Why? Because you know what he's done for you. You know what he set you free of. You know how he changed your life. Amen. Let me get one of these hankies. Come on, somebody. That's going back to old church mamas. That was kept them hankies. Come on, somebody. They've been handing, them, handing those things out. Amen. Oh, thank God. We, we, are, we are at a crossroads, and we are at a place where we are, we are literally restraining the lawless one right now. Churches, the reason churches are un, under such attack. You say, oh, churches are under attack. They're trying to keep us safe. If they were trying to keep us safe, there wouldn't be protests going on. They wouldn't be encouraging people to get out on the streets and scream in each other's faces. Amen. We, we as a church, we have shown across this nation, we have shown we've been over backwards to, conf to, to try to behave. We canceled our services because they told us there was a threat of spreading this coronavirus. We did our best to try to stay away. And we, we conformed to the best of our ability. Although we continued to meet and pray together. And I told them one time, there's about 30 people in a, in a, back here in this room praying. And I told them, I said, I never dreamed in America that I would be a part of an underground illegal prayer meeting. <laughs> but here we sit. And as I walked in, I sat there, and as they walked in, people just kept coming in. I finally said, well, we know who the rebels are. <laughs> Come on now. Amen. But I got to tell you something. They've crossed the line, and we, we're not going to be as easy to get along with this time. Amen. I have no plans of conforming to regulations. Why? Because if they can encourage people to get out on the streets and scream and yell in each other's faces, then they can't tell us we can't come into a church and preach and sing and worship God. Amen. I, I have no plans. Amen. I might be getting myself in trouble, but it's part of it's my life, okay? I've never been out of trouble. We, we have to learn. We as children of God, we do our best to conform to the laws 
of the land until the laws of the land start crossing the boundaries and crossing the line into trying to take our God away from us and try to keep us from gathering in prayer and worship. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. It doesn't matter what they say. We're going to pray and we're going to worship because we're the body of Christ. We will continue to worship God, continue to pray. We will continue together because that is the power and we are restraining the lawless one and we will continue to strain, restrain the lawless one until we are taken out of the way. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, I have a feeling that in California today there are some people rising up and saying, you said what? Huh? You, you're, we can't do what? Amen. <laughs> that might work on the East Coast and the West Coast, but that ain't going to work in the Midwest. We, we, we just don't, we don't do that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. This is what I want to declare. We got two sides running. We got judgment and we got mercy. We got destruction, faceness, or we have revival and outpouring of God, faceness. We're making a decision. The church, the body of Christ is making a decision of what's going to happen. In verse 4, chapter 2 and verse 4 of Ephesians says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The ages to come. What, what's he saying? God wants to pour out his grace and mercy on this nation. He does not want to pour out judgment. He does not want to pour out destruction. He wants to pour out grace and mercy. But we as the people of God have got to humble ourselves, get on our face before God, and declare him God, Lord of all, the King of kings. We serve you. We worship you. We declare that you are glorious and you are worshiped. We bow our knee to nobody but Christ. Amen. We bow our knee to nobody but Christ. Amen. We are, we are definitely at a crossroads. If this country, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to use scare tags, but if this country does not go the right direction, by January 1st, 2021, this country, this nation will be under globalist rule. Our Constitution will be of none effect. That's how close we are. By the first of, the, of next year, if this nation does not go the right direction, we will be under the rule of a globalist society 
that will determine what we can and cannot do. Our currency will be no good. Our constitution will be no good. And there will be blue helmets patrolling our streets. That's how close we are. But my heart says that there's still more than 50 righteous in this nation. My heart says that there's still a people that love God and is ready to worship God and stand for God. I still feel the presence of God in this nation. I still feel the glory of God on this nation right now. And stand, everybody stand with us. We got to stop. I don't believe. I don't believe. I do not believe that God raised me up and gave me visions and dreams of an outpouring of a spirit in my day just for it to fall apart and stop. I know, I know, I know that we are going to see a glorious outpouring and awakening of the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. At the first of this year, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I heard the Holy Spirit talk to me in, in Psalms chapter 2, and he said, this is the year that God's going to laugh. Why do the people rage in the heathen imagine a vain thing? I will have them in derision. This is the year of God's laughter, and we will worship God. We will restrain until we're taken out of the way. Hallelujah. Father. Lord, we don't raise ourselves up as something great. We humble ourselves as weak before you. You are our God. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord. And we bow our hearts before you today. And only you do we bow our hearts today. Father, I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that prayer and intercession and worship spread through this country like a virus, greater than a virus. God, to infect this nation with worship, infect this nation with prayer. Father, we determined today to worship you we determined today Lord God to just simply stand before you father we ask you to raise up voices in this nation that will destroy the lies God raise up voices in this nation that will destroy the lies and we ask you we ask you to step forward in the face of the lawless one and say not yet not yet stop you are hope and our only hope God we can't do anything about this we stand here before you saying you are our God 